You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, the Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis and I'm joined today by a, uh, well, two returning faces really. Sarah Clapson, Red's correspondent, is back from holiday. Good afternoon, Sarah. How are you? I'm okay. Hello, Matt. Good. I say holiday, you don't really... No, no. Time off. Time off, time away from the madness of work. Yeah. And, um, returning for, I think, a third time for his, uh, the latest hat trick in his career is yeah. Reds legend Gary Bertels. Uh, welcome back, Gary. How are you? Hi, Matt. Hi, Sarah. Yeah, good, thank you. Hello. Good, 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 good. Um, well, I hate the international break. Um, I suppose, did you hate the international break, Gary, unless you were playing for England? There wasn't really an international break in those in, when we were playing. It was just... You played your last game. You went and played for England, and then you came back and played. It was, I think, it was a different format in those days. It just all seemed to mingle into one. So, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, you didn't think of it as an international break. It wasn't called that. It was just right. You've been called up for your country. You're playing a game. You go there. You, you play your game. You get back, and that was it. Simple as. Excellent. Um, a few bits of housekeeping before we start. Do give us a good review and a rating on iTunes if you feel so generous and subscribe on YouTube. And the other slight warning is, as I was saying before we recorded this, I'm waiting for an emergency plumber. So if I disappear, Sarah will take over the hosting duties in this very professional operation. Right. Um, I'll literally plug the gap. Well, if, if, you, if it leaks on your carpet, I'll come and fit, fit a new carpet for you because, you, you know, that's what I used to do. So... So if you have any problems with your carpets, I'm your man. <laughs> hardwood floors, Gary. Hardwood floors to, to stop kids spilling the stuff. Mo- modern. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right, let's get started. Um, we'll talk, obviously, it's national break. Time to take stock. Um, it's been seven games of Hewton. Uh, should we start with you, Gary? What have you made of him so far? Uh, exactly what I expected. Professionalism, knowledge of the championship. Um, I'm sure working with the players, uh, he's, he's really enjoyed it. He's delighted to be back in it. And I think you can see things, you know, just changed a little bit in the way Forrest have played and the way they've set up in different games. So uh, I, I think generally his knowledge of the game at this level is massive. And I think I've been saying that over the years, you know, get somebody who knows the championship very well, because we all know it's one of the most difficult leagues in world football to get out of. And that knowledge is so important. And I think the players are buying into that knowledge already. And uh, it's it's looking a lot better. Good, good. Um, we're streaming on Facebook as ever. So do comment uh, and ask some questions of Gary and Sarah and we'll put them to him. Sarah, same question. Have you been pretty solidly impressed with Houston so far? Yeah, I think he's he's a steady hand, isn't he? He kind of came in and he, he settled things down a little bit. The most important thing was to stop that losing run, to to try and turn that around and he's done that um obviously going into the international break on the back of two wins is huge it it gives everybody such a lift already it looked you know the momentum and the feeling around the place is a lot different and hopefully Forrest can come back and pick up and and continue where they left off really um I think he he's just he's come in and he's kind of helped to lift the I mean you could see early on the players were, were struggling for for confidence and I think Chris Hewton's acknowledged that a little bit, but that there has been a little bit of a hangover from last season. And more than anything, he needed to lift them and pick them up. Um, and he's done that. And he, he's, I think there's still a lot to do and there's still a lot of work and there's still a long way to go. But it, for early days, I think he's made a decent start. Do you think the hangover's gone? I think I, we did one of these at the weekend and someone said the hangover's gone. I kind of question that because a very fortuitous win against Coventry and a decent win against Wickham says to me the jury's still out on that. Well, what do you think, Sarah, about that? Yeah, I think I'll probably agree with you. I think I think there's still... Those two wins were, were huge. They were really important, but they need to continue that. They need to put a real run together. Um, and I still think Forrester are a team that, that do they do lack confidence they do lack a bit of conviction at times um and that's that, that's only going to come in time that's only going to come with more games i think it was perhaps it was naive to think that a, a new manager could come in and all of a sudden everybody forgets about last season and what happened i don't think that was ever going to happen it was it was never going to be an overnight fix for anybody whoever came in um and 
all Chris Hewton can do is is try and build those players and get them back to the the level that we know they're capable of. And I think he's put some early building blocks in place, but there is still a, a long way to go. I think I, I think I'll, I'll probably be in agreement with you, really, that there is still there is still thoughts of last season there. I, I think it's about whoever came in quickly had to dispel what went on last season, had to come in and realise that it might be an issue with the players. Mm. I think it looks like Chris has got into that straight away. He's trying to address that problem straight away in you know, the best way he possibly can. Um, before those two games, everybody was saying it's imperative we won those two games. We've won those two games. doesn't matter how you win them. doesn't matter if it's you've got 19 minutes of injury time and you score a penalty. You know, there's no pictures. It just says Nottingham Forest 2, Coventry 1. That's, that, that's all that matters. And it just shows you how difficult the championship is with how well Coventry did, how well mm-hmm. Wickham did. You know, it, it's not easy, this league. And we've seen Sheffield Wednesday at the bottom. They've overturned the points at the moment. They've been let off half of them. But it, it was looking pretty dicey down there. You know, ask Derby County fans at the moment. It's, it's dicey down there. No, you know, I'm not having a pop. I'm just saying. For the East Midlands, it's not been particularly good viewing. And no. I, I, I would love to see us and Derby in the Premier League. You know, make no bones. It'd be great, much better playing in the Premier League than the Championship. But it just shows how difficult it is. And um, I just think there's a, a little bit more confidence there. When you win two games and you look at your fixtures after that, then you think, well, going into those, six points out of six, you know, we're, we're getting the confidence back. Uh, I think there's experienced heads out there on the pitch now um, within the squad as well. And I think that'll help. I think those voices are important in the dressing room and on the training pitch, you know, to try and get that malaise out, out of the system from last season. And I think you're showing little signs of that in those two games. Yeah, it can be improved. Chris knows that. But now he's got time to work on that. He's got time to work on who he thinks are his best starting eleven, the system. Um, I think it's it's got to be still more positive. You go back through the managers, Lamouche, um, Karanka and Warburton, and it was all rather negative. And it was almost as if, right, you lot attackers, we're, we're backing ourselves to defend, we'll sit back and we can win football matches. Well, I think that's proved now that we can't do that, really. And I think you have to press the opposition in their half, high up the pitch, force them to make mistakes. Like Liverpool, it's, 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 you know, I keep saying Liverpool, that the best teams in the world football, in any league, press high up the pitch and they force opposition to make mistakes. And that's when you pick up. You don't want to be sitting 20, 30 yards back and leaving one man isolated and then you try and break. And not everybody can get there. You know, not everybody can join in. If you're pressing high up the pitch, everybody can join in. And then you become a massive threat. That's why Leeds got up last season. That's why West Brom got up last season. And you watch them in Premier League this season so far, and Aston Villa even, they press high up the pitch. They put uh, pressure on the opposition. And that is fantastic to see. And I think Forest have got to go down that route. They've got to be positive instead of sitting back and thinking, right, we can counter. We're good at that. You know, we've lost Matty Cash, who's you know been doing really well in the Premier League. So, yeah, I think there are signs there. But now he's got time to work on it even more. And hopefully coming out of the international break, we'll see more improvement. You won't see you know, massive improvement overnight. You can't expect that to happen. But I think we'll see that improvement pretty soon. Do you think he knows roughly what his best 11 is now, Sarah? I think he's getting there. Um, I think there's still... The- there's quite a few players that are out injured or obviously Nicholas Lyonio has been suspended. So I think there's still a few positions where you think, well, I'm not sure who's going to play there. Um, and that'll be even more so when the likes of Joe Worrell come back from injury. Um, I think he he has a general idea though. Um, and I mean, he's tried different systems, fair play to him. He, he has, he's tried different things to try and, and make it work and adapt to the opposition a little bit and try and get the best out of the players that he has. And, that was a criticism of um, Lamouche and it's been a criticism of previous managers that they, they didn't have this this so-called plan B. But Chris Hewton's tried that. He's tried different things. Um, and, and credit to him for that. If it works, then, you know, you look and try and build on it and, and maybe look at it again. If it doesn't, then you say, OK, well, we'll go back on the training pitch and try something different or try it, with, try it in a different way. Um, 
I think where Forest are better this year is that they have options. They have strength in depth. And you look at the benches they can put out and you think they've got players that can come on and make a difference. And that's something they probably didn't have so much last season. Um, so even though he, he perhaps has a, a favoured 11 in mind, he does have possibilities and he does have players that can come on and change things. Um, and that can only be a good thing. Well, I called it a scattergood effect. You know, the substitutions that Lamushi made last season, there was no, I didn't, no thought pattern behind it at times. He was just saying, right, look behind, right, you, you and you, you can go on and try and make a difference. And like you say, I think it's more measured now with Chris. He realises players' strengths, what they can do at any given time. And I think the signing of McKenna, I, I think the leadership he shows already and his ability to bring the ball out from the back is massive for us. Uh, because he's prepared to do that. He's prepared to take the lead, if you like, and lead by example. And I think players can learn from that around him. And, um, yeah, it's it, it's got to be more positivity. And I'm sure Chris is looking mm. to do that. And, you know, Lyle Taylor, you know, look at him at the moment. He's scoring goals for fun. Uh, the header he scored, um, you know, was a, a cracker. His position he took up for that. You know, how he pulled off the defender at the far post. And then his second was, you know, individual ability. I think he has all the goals in his locker, you know, he'll, he'll score headed goals and his work rate is terrific for me. You know, he, he, he puts a massive shift in, as you'd expect anybody to do. Uh, that's, that's the name of the game. That's what you pay to do. But he does. He, he makes it difficult for defenders. He'll run across the line, put pressure on, and that helps everybody behind. That helps the midfield. It helps the back four because everybody can push up five yards then and you're not sitting too deep as a, as a team. So his importance at the front line, the defending from the front, I think has been pivotal so far. Um, I've had a couple of questions come in and one of them is sort of related to that situation with Taylor from um, Owen Bailey asking about Mighton falling away from the first team picture with Graben to come back. What's your opinion on the state of the forward options then at the moment? I should ask that to you, Gary, because you you know you played there a bit as you pointed out to us. Uh, are you worried about Mighton not getting a kick and... Uh, is Taylor now the number one, do you think? I think Taylor's got to be the number one from what he's shown so far. He's a, he's a guy in form. Um, and when you're scoring goals, you can't wait to get out uh, back out on the pitch. And he'll be flying in training as well. Um, you've got to go with what you see in front of you. Who's your best striker at the moment? And he clearly is that. I don't know the situation with Lewis Graben's injury. Um, but... You know, he's a totally different player to Lewis Graben Taylor, you know, because of the work rate he puts in. People say, well, because Lewis scores all the goals, you know, the number of goals he does, uh, then you can forget a little bit about work rate. But I think that can come back to haunt you a little bit when you're not scoring goals. Uh, then, you, you know, if you're not scoring, that that's your main part of your game gone. And then you have to do other things. I think Taylor's all-round game, um, you know, suits at the moment. And... Um, I think it rubs off on other players around him. You know, it makes it difficult for everybody. He'll, he'll close down, he'll get a block, and then the midfield will pick up that second ball. Um, I, you know, I'll go back to a game, you know, this is not giving Lewis, you know, stick, but he only had uh, five touches in the te- last, I think the last tele- five ge- televised game, Sky game, uh, in the first half. I mean, five touches for a striker is not good enough. You know, you have to do more than that. And, um, you know, I think Taylor does that. And, uh, you know, he's going to be difficult to dislodge, you know, when whoever gets fit and whoever's trying to get in his position. Sarah, do you want to comment on Mighton before we talk about the Guerrero-Taylor thing? Well, where do you think Mighton stands? He's more of a, a winger than a striker at the moment, I yeah, guess. Yeah, he, he is, yeah. I don't think... He's not so, He's not competing with Lyle Taylor or Lewis Graben for, for that place. Um, he's, a, he's different. Um, he's, he's not really an out-and-out striker, really. But... I hope he gets more of a chance, Mighton. Um, I think that's... He's not had too many minutes on the pitch so far this season, either under Lamucci or, or Chris Hutton, really. Um, he's kind of been in and around the team. He's been on the bench a bit, not managed to get on. Um, I'd like to see him get more of a chance and because and, he, he plays with no fear, Mighton. He, he'll go out there and he'll just run at defenders and try and create things and he causes problems with his pace and he's, um, he's good on the ball. I think there's a predictability about him as well, Sarah, isn't exactly, there? Exactly, yeah, there is. Yeah. That's He's just great. down the pecking order a little bit at the minute. For for whatever reason, um 
I really hope he gets his chance, though. I hope that he, he manages to work his way into Chris Hewton's thinking and gets a few more games under his belt. Um, I mean, there's tough competition for his duo options there, but I, I kind of hope that the fact they didn't sign Camille Grzycki, I thought that might mean that Mighton was that would have pushed him further down the pecking order. Um, hopefully he does. I, I, I really like him as a player. I think he's got a, a bright future ahead of him. He just needs game time. Mm. Just going back to Taylor then, um, obviously I did the game against Wickham and they played Guerrero just off him and he was um, really good. I was quite apprehensive about how good he'd be, but his link-up play was much better than you know it, it had been in that area with Freeman or whoever else. Do you think Guerrero has the potential to cement his place now in the next few weeks? Because Luke Freeman hasn't really done it. What, what do you think, Gary, about that? Of course he's got an opportunity. And this is what Chris Hewton will be enjoying, seeing the number of options he's got and the time he's got now before the next game to work with it. And, and if he has got his best 11 in mind and his best system in mind, then he'll work with that in the next uh, week or so. And you know, it's a time for everyone to say, right, I'm going to prove a point to you. Yeah, I, I think I deserve to be in this team. And you can only do that in training. You could, you've got to give that 100% in training. You know, I love training because... You know, it was it was a great thing to be part of. I never held back in training. I just wanted to be at the front running. You know, you want to be scoring goals in any practice match you played in, and it, that's the opportunities that you want players to grasp. And um, it, you know, it's a good opportunity now to for a new manager, clean sheet. You know, he, he'll have asked about players, but he'll be, he'll be wanting to see, especially in training now, their attitude. You know, their desire, the hunger to get in the team. And you soon find out, you know, about players in those situations. So him and his coaching staff will be taking a real close view on everybody on every day's uh, training performances. And then they'll make their minds up and say, right, OK, I think this is my best 11. The attitude's great. You know, there's creativity there, there and there. And, you know, hopefully the players will rise to that challenge because that's what professional football is about. And um, hopefully coming out of the international break, We'll see positivity. And you look at the fixtures and they look tough, but every game in the championship is tough. Every season. You never see an easy game. You know, you think, well, you're playing Rotherham. No disrespect to Rotherham or Barnsley or anybody like that. But they they deserve to be where they are because they're not easy to beat. You know, they make themselves difficult to beat. They've got a way of playing. um, And, you know, not one team in that championship at the moment looks out of place. What have you made of Luke Freeman, Sarah? He's been a bit hit and miss, I think, so far. He's not. He's seen. We've seen flashes of what he can do and glimpses of his talent, but I don't think he's done it consistently. Um, I don't think he's really hit the level that he's capable of yet. I don't think he's kind of settled in to the side properly yet. Um, I mean, he's talented. He's got he's got bags of ability, but perhaps hasn't shown it consistent consistently enough yet. Um, he can be a good player, though. Um, I think it's probably up front where Chris Hewton's maybe still trying to figure out what the best system and what the best combination of players are. Um, and it is going to be interesting to see how Graben responds because last season he didn't have that pressure. He didn't have people pressing for his place. He was he knew pretty much every week that, uh, other than when um, Lamucci dropped him on the odd occasion, that he was going to be playing. He didn't kind of have that. He didn't have that competition for his place, whereas now he has. Now he's got Lyle Taylor pressing him. He's got um, Guerrero, who's done really well. I think there's there's a few different combinations with the strikers and with the attacking midfield players that Chris Hewton can use. And I think that's maybe one area where he's still tweaking things a little bit and trying different things and trying to find the best combination. Um, and, you know, he's got a few options on that front. It's, it's not easy to think, well, who who or how are we going to play them? Because there's there's quite a few a few different possibilities there. Mm. I don't know what it was like when you were in the Forest squad, Gary, and you obviously had yourself and Francis and um, Peter Davenport and Nigel Clough. As it went on, um, I get the sense that Graben likes being, you know, the man. Do you get that sense as well, that he likes to be kind of the undisputed main striker and that might be influencing his performances when he was fit? Well, he, he has been the main striker and, you know, uh, despite what I said about, you know, not having as many touches and, you know, his work rate not as impressive as Taylor's, um, he did score goals and that's one of the most difficult things to do. That's why strikers get paid 
more than anybody else. Um, but you can't be. It's about a team game. It's not about individuals. It's not about you. It's about playing within that squad, uh, within the starting eleven when you go out. Yes, it's great for personal uh, glory. But you know, I, I look at. I always go to the highest level. I look at Tottenham at the moment. You know, you look at Harry Kane. You know, his contribution in a game, more or less every game, is incredible. You know, he's he's creating goals. He's scoring goals. And you look at Vardy for Leicester. You know, they're, they're, they're unbelievable, the work rate they put in and, you know, the assists they have on top of the goals they're scoring is absolutely phenomenal. And uh, that that's what it's all about. It's not all, yes, it's great individually. They look fabulous individually. They get praise individually. But my word, they are part of a team. And that's what you have to be. And if you get one player who isn't part of a team, who thinks he might be, you know, the key to everything, then you could have a problem and um, I, I just see, I like to see work rate and, um, you know, I think Taylor gives you that work rate and uh, it rubs off on everybody else. And, you know, that I, that was more a part of my game when I played. Um, I didn't stop for 90 minutes. I remember, you know, Brian Clough said in the final of the European Cup, I ran more miles than Emil Zatopek, who was one of the greatest long distance uh, runners of all time. And, uh, you know, I felt like I'd run as many miles as he ran on that particular occasion. Um, but that was my job. You know, I, I defended from the front and I was lucky because I usually played in a two up front. I played with Tony Woodcock, Trevor. I played with Nigel, uh, Pete Davenport, you know, all terrific players. You know, so I was very fortunate. Ian Wallace as well when uh, he came. You know, we had a good partnership up front. It was always two up front, you know, and that does take the pressure off you a little bit. You know, I felt sorry for Lewis at times because he, he did get isolated because of the system that the, the respected managers were playing. Um, and if you are defending deep, as I said before, when you get possession, it's difficult for, if you've not got pace and stamina to go and help Lewis out up front, then it, it, it becomes a problem as a team. And I think that is what, over the few years we've seen under the different managers, that, that's been the major problem for me. Mm. There's an interesting question here, um, which sort of relates to Luke Freeman potentially, Gary, you can speak from experience, Roy. It's from Richard Ottaway. Having played for, he says, the tourist team in Manchester, I assume he means Man United, did the fans put pressure on big signings and did the signs and growth performances start to show in your performance? Obviously, there's there's no fans at the moment, but there's social media these days. Do you think a player like Luke Freeman or maybe one or two of the others are being weighed down heavily by the weight of expectation at a big club like Forest? What, regarding social media as well? Yeah, I think social media could be an influence on players these days. It, it, would, it would never have come into play then. And, you know, I, I don't do social media anyway. But so, players these days, the Forest yeah. squad now, do you think Do you think the weight of expectation is weighing heavily on one or two of them? Uh, if you read the comments and you don't, you know, if you don't like the comments, don't go on it. You, mm. know, it's, you know, it always amazes me. People complain about, you know, being trolled and this, that and the other. Well, the one thing to say, well, if you don't want to get that, get off it. You know, you don't need to be on it all the time. You know, it's go out there and just do what you're paid to do. Play football. You know, enjoy it because it's a very short-lived career. You're very privileged to be able to do it. The number of people who want to do it is phenomenal. And uh, why not just go out and enjoy it? Give everything you possibly can. And if you do that, you know, people will respect you. When I was at Manchester United, you're talking about that. Um I still put my lot in. I still worked very, very hard. I wasn't scoring the goals, uh, but the, the fans were brilliant. They realised, they could see that I was trying everything I possibly could for everybody else and maybe not happening for myself and probably being a bit too unselfish. And they were great with me, you know, and they never slaughtered me, never got on my back. And I was very thankful for that. So uh, whose unprofessional phone is that in the background, pinging all over? That's mine. It's the, pl- it's the plumber that I mentioned, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me. It's like that Roy Keane press conference where the journalist phone kept going off. I think that's what it is. I'm texting but, him now. I was I hoping you'd gloss over it. I love to watch Keeney and listen to Keeney. He's, he's just absolutely brilliant. Um, Sarah, I was going to ask you, obviously you're oh, in around the camp. About Freeman, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. No, let's carry on. You know, coming from a Premier League maybe, the Premier League club, um, maybe a little bit more pressure because you're expected, oh, he's come from, you know, this club and, uh, you know, you must be this, you must be that. Uh, it's not always easy dropping a league down. Um, 
and you know, despite not being in the you know the Premier League that long or whatever, it's still you know where you were, and it's it's seen as a drop down, and you know you're expected to do well because of that. Um, Sarah, I was going to say, obviously, I, I've done a few games this year, and you've done more than me. Does it feel I've like seen all the wins though, Mark? Uh, yeah, that's true. Play yeah, three. I haven't, three I haven't seen them win yet. Is a different question. When was the last game you saw Forest win? Bristol yeah. City. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, does it difficult question for you to answer? Then does it feel like a happier club now? More recently, <laughs> I think it does. Yeah. Um, I think just the feeling around the place. It feels. It feels different. Um, and you you do tend to the start that Forest had. It there was just this kind of dismal mood really because of the results they were picking up and because of what happened last season um, and they just got stuck in a rut and the change of manager I think helped with that obviously Chris Houston's come in and he's he's helped to lift them and he's helped to create a, a different kind of atmosphere I think not that I'm not saying that you know it was there was anything particularly bad about Sabrina Mucci but I think it was just that Forrest couldn't get out of the the run that they were on um, and they needed a change. They needed something to to spark them and they've got that now. Those two wins that they had before this international break can make a huge difference. I think they were, you could see that there were still areas they need to work on. There's still things they massively need to improve on, but it, it just gives everybody a lift and it makes such a difference when you, you're picking up results. Go on, Gary. You know the problem there from last season, that, that collapse? The problem was, coming back into the new season, Lamucci didn't change it one iota. It mm. was exactly the same, uh, and it was it, it was dross, really. It, it really was. You know, you have to say it as you see it. And it, it, there was no change. You thought, right, OK, uh, he's learnt the lessons from the collapse at the end of the season. Right, let's be more positive. Let's change things. Let's, you know, go a different way to the start of the season let's be positive but there wasn't an ounce of positivity there at all and that uh, you know that was depressing you know for the players uh, I would think the fans watching it uh, me watching it you know I thought well there's got to be some sort of change here you know maybe just try to up front maybe try, try you know press higher up the pitch try something different but he didn't it was just exactly the same and that's unfortunately uh, you know why he got the sack in the end Let's um, just look at some of these new signings then and who's stood out for you. Everyone's saying McKenna. Is McKenna the one for, for you, Sarah, that's been yeah. the best one? Far and away the best the best summer signing that they made. He's been absolutely superb. He's He just does the simple things really well. Um, he keeps it easy. He, he just heads it, kicks it. He's a, I mean, Gary mentioned it before, he's a leader out there. He's so loud on the pitch. He's always telling players where to go and what to do. And um, he's just made a massive dif- massive difference. Um, and he's good on the ball as well. He looks really comfortable whenever he gets the ball. He's quite happy bringing it out of the, the defence. Um, yeah, I, I think he's he's made a huge impact. Lyle Taylor obviously has as well because now he's starting to score the goals. Um, I think those two have have probably been the standouts for me at the minute. And you, Gary, the same? Yeah, I can't disagree there. And whoever plays alongside uh, McKenna now is, is going to be quite fortunate. And it, it's looking quite strong. And what I like about McKenna coming in, the spine of the team, which, you know, Brian Clough always used to, you know, get that right. The goalkeeper, the centre-half, centre-midfield, striker. Well, now he's got the, he's got a goalkeeper, one of the best in the league. He's got one of the best centre-halves in the league and still wants to come back. Um, he's got a guy who's scoring goals who I think needed a run in the side to say, right, I believe in you and I'm going to give you a run in the side. And, you know, you've got central midfield, you know, you've got options in there. If you get that spine right, you can build around that with the players have got uh, because there is quality there. And I think they, they it can be quality further up the pitch. It has to be. If you've got those sort of players, you don't want them you know, backtracking into their own half and not producing where they're good at producing, which is the final third, because that's where we were lacking last season. You know, one of the worst teams for a number of shots on target. Um, it, it's not started, you know, this season so well either. Um, I think we're, we're not the best either, but it's improving. And, uh, you know, if they're getting balls into the box like we, we know they can, they, they'll put them into the box because they know Carl, their Lyle Taylor 
has every goal. He'll head it. He'll get to the near post. You know, he'll he'll go for the tappings. And I think when your teammates have got that belief in you, they'll start putting balls in earlier because I think that was one point for me last season where we were just delaying, you know, putting balls in boxes. We're checking back. And that, you know, to be fair, that didn't help Lewis at times because, you know, he'll make a run, as the strikers do, and if your teammates are checking back, then your run becomes pointless. Then you have to come out the box and you have to readjust and try and make another one. Um, but when you know, you know, you've got somebody in there who's who'll fly in and, and put his body on the line. I, you know, I think people start to get the ball in the box and put defenders under pressure earlier. Who should partner McKenna for you when when he when Warrell's fit? Would it be Warrell or Figueredo? Or I think you've got, you've got to maybe say uh, Warrell because of the season he had. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying um, the Derby game that that's where things started to go wrong. We just needed that to win that game and we were in the playoffs that one mistake but you can't blame somebody for that one mistake yeah you, you say yeah he could have done better perhaps he knows you know he'll know he should have done better but you know for the majority of the season he was our stand, one of our standout players you know he led by example from the back and uh, he was a threat in the opposition's box and you know alongside um, McKenna he can only learn I, I think and uh yeah, it'd be a difficult one for Chris when, when he is fit, but one I'm looking forward to, to seeing. Mm. There's a similar debate over midfield, Sarah, with um, Colback's form being mm. a bit down now, quite up. I thought he's good against Wickham. There's um, Arter, Yates and Sow. And Owen Bailey says here about, is it any coincidence that Sow starts the last two games and we get six points? Um, would he be a difference maker? How do you see the midfield? And if everyone was fit, this is a, a tough question. Who would be your two if it was a playoff final tomorrow? Who would be your two in front of the back four? Well, Sal has that great record, doesn't he? I, I don't know the stat off the top of my head where he's... he's is it, has he never lost or something a game that he started? Or he's barely ever lost a game he started? Um, so he does make a difference. He's just not... He's, his knee problems mean that he can't play week in, week out, I think. Um so, yes, you can use him for for the odd game, but I don't think um, I don't think he's going to be in and in and there every week. Um, and also, he he sometimes I know the fact that he gets stuck in is great, but sometimes he's a little bit um, on the edge with it. So you perhaps have to be a bit careful. Um, I think Yates has been up there with with Forest's best players so far this season. I think he's done really well for all the criticism that he gets. He's been fantastic. Um, and I really like Harry Arter as well. I think he's made a difference. Everybody knows what Jack Colbert can do. When he's on form, he's brilliant. But he hasn't quite found that yet. I know he's, he's showing signs of improvement and he is getting better. But he's still rusty, I think. The fact that he hadn't played for a year, it really showed early on. And he's he's just kind of now building up his minutes and getting up to, to some kind of level. When he's on top form, he, he's fantastic. And he'd be probably one of the first names on the team sheet. But... I think I would probably go with, with Arthur and Yates at the minute as the, mm. the, the pairing. Gary, can you speak to what it's like for, obviously, Colback had that year without kicking a ball for, you know, a, a, a different reason he was just not selected. But you've had a bad injury before. Can you speak to what it's like for a player who hasn't played football for a long time and how long it can take you to get back up to speed? Yeah, I mean, I had a spinal fusion in 1984 and I was out for, I think, what's nine months uh, so the rehab was really tough um because obviously you know it's a major operation and you've got to be so careful and the you know the physios and people who look after you are so important which they were brilliant when i came back and they they built me up gradually uh, they took me on a golf course uh, to play golf as well just to get because of where the operation was just to get that movement around the uh, the base of my spine and I was very fortunate in that respect. And when when you do come back, it's you, you you're on adrenaline to start with, and then I hit a brick wall. You know, I was one of the fittest players at the club. Um, you know, because you're desperate to get back in there. Um, so it's it, there is there is expectation as well. You know, I was a striker, so I was expected to come straight back in, start scoring goals. And if it didn't happen, then you know you get a little bit of stick, which is understandable. You know, it's human nature. Um, but it's not easy, and I think. The comparison with Ben Watson as well, you know, will be there, um, you know, from last season. Uh, and I just think, you know, the two of them, Yates and Colback, may be 
it looks a little bit too negative, um, you know, maybe too similar. And you're right, thanks, Sarah, with Arthur coming in, it gives a di- different balance. You know, he'll get forward and Yates will think, well, yeah, I can get forward, but I can sit back this time. Whereas before, maybe the two of them were sitting back. We've seen how uh, dangerous Yates can be making those runs from set pieces into the box. Mm. You know, the header he put over the bar, how that went over the bar, I don't know the other day. But, you know, he does that. Not many players in football do that anymore, midfield players. Um, you know, the time I saw uh, Fernandes, the Manchester United, that header he scored uh, against Everton. That is brilliant from midfield. I, I was lucky to play with Hodge, Bowyer, Webb, who used to do those sort of things, Archie Gemmell, people. You know, it, it's a dying art, that, at the moment, I think. And, uh, you know, he, he he can cause problems uh, in the opposition's box. And, he, he you know, he breaks up play well. But I think having the two of them together, it, it can be a little bit too negative. And I'm sure Chris will be looking at that and trying to get that balance right in midfield. And I'm sure he'll do it because, I said, he has that knowledge. He has the knowledge mm. of the Premier League. He has the knowledge of the Championship, you know, as much as anybody. He's got teams up. So this, you know, international break, is, I think, is going to be very, very important for him, you know, to realise he's starting eleven and who he fancies, who he thinks, well, I'm not too sure about you. Um, have a word in the, the ears of the ones he thinks needs, you know, a little bit of a, a G up. And, you know, that's all part of being a coach now. Uh, you have mm. to see every player on a daily basis and, you know, you have to assess things very quickly. And uh, he has that experience to do that. You mentioned Arta just there. There's a question here from Mike Verney uh, for you, Gary, uh, about the captain's armbands. Would, would it, uh, who, who should have it? I mean, Arta's a contender. Graben's had it. Who would you like to see be the captain now? Hewton's had a chance to look at everyone. McKenna. Yeah. Simple as. You know, I always think it's good for for somebody at the back to have it rather than further forward because he can see everything that's going on. You know, he can be vocal. Uh, he can encourage from the back. He can push that back four out, you know, five yards, yards further up the pitch. And then he can push the midfield up. He can cajole them. And, uh, you know, he, he can see the whole pitch. And uh, I, I was never a fan of goalkeepers being um, uh, uh, captains. I think always a centre-half look better uh, or a central midfield player never a striker um, because of you know the reasons I've already uh, mentioned so yeah him for me because he is a leader because he is vocal because you know he does what he does on the pitch I think he's a perfect perfect player for the armband Mm. Um, Sarah one problem that does remain is um, around the huge squad uh, there's a comment here from Rick Hempsall about signing Cafu and him him not playing. Obviously, I was sat in the press box and you had a lot of players uh, watching from the stands. Mm. Is that still a challenge for Hewton going forward to try and keep everyone so ha- happy until maybe make some moves in January? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, in any squad, just trying to keep everybody happy is difficult. But I mean, Forest have got so many players still that it's even more of a challenge. Um I thought Cafu did all right when he, he, I mean, we've not seen too much of him, but when he came on off the bench, he looked okay. It was a bit of a surprise to see him in that kind of number 10 role. Um, I didn't mm. think he was he was that type of player, but he did all right. Um, he offers something a bit different, I think. He's, you know, he, he's physically able to cause problems on the pitch because he's quite stockily built. Um, but he, look, he looked pretty decent. I think he's a different option. I can't see him playing too much, but if you have him on the bench and... As somebody that can come on if you're you're in need of creating a few problems later on, I think that he could probably do that job. Um, just try and create something, maybe cause a few problems. Um, he's a different option. Bring something different. And, you know, you want players like that. You want different players in your squad who you can look at for different games or look at in different situations and think, well, we'll, we'll use him for this one or we'll use him for that one. If you have too many players that are the same, then you can't mix things up Um Hewton's got that. He's got players that can offer different things, which is which is good. But keeping them all happy, yeah, I wouldn't like to be a manager and, and trying to do that because players want to play. Um, and I, I slightly disagree there. I, I I think some players. I'm not saying this about any Forest player, but I, as a football club with a very wealthy owner like Nottingham Forest, Mr. Maranakis, agents know that Mr. Maranakis has got a lot of money, and the the wages at Nottingham Forest Football Club are particularly good. And if they're not getting in the team um, and they're on big wages, 
they'll just say, well, you know, just sit here. And that's the difficulty for Chris. He's not going to be able to get players out of the door that he doesn't want on big wages because, you know, why would players want to go somewhere else? I mean, you know, especially with the pandemic as well, it's causing all sorts of, you know, problems. Um, so I think that's the, the bigger problem uh, for me, being able to convince players that they're no longer wanted and to get rid of them. You know, they'll just sit there and say, right, you know, well, I'm on this sort of money. Why should I? I've got two years of a contract left. Why should I go anywhere else at this moment in time? And that's the mm. difficulty every manager's got at every football club, not just Forest, you know, but we have got a real excess of players. And that's happened because so many new managers came into the football club in a short space of time. They all wanted their players in. They bring their players in and don't really get rid of anybody. And that becomes the problem. Um, we're lucky enough that the, the owner can afford to pay the wages of that particular squad at the moment. And, um, you know, it, it, thank goodness that he, he can do that. And what was, the, may- what, was the, what was the other point you made? I'm just trying to think of the, the other thing you were saying about... For you to disagree with? No. <laughs> just trying to think. I, I had something to say. I can't, I can't remember what it was about, but... Uh, well, if you, you you want to think about that, there's um, a comment here. With, you talked about the no, unwieldy no, squad. No, I'll tell you what. A quick, I remember now. I think players like uh, you know Cafu maybe and Cavalio, especially those sort of players, because of the nature of the championship, because it's so hectic and frenetic and physical, and the number of games you play over a season is incredible. Plus the FA Cup, plus the League Cup, all this all this sort of thing. I don't think they can adjust to it you know, quickly enough. And I think it's a bit unfair that they're asked to come in and, you know, all of a sudden be these magicians to, to open defences because it is such a physical league and it's not always easy. It's like, even in the Premier League, <coughs> excuse me, you see real quality players come from abroad. I mentioned Henri and Burkamp and people like that when they came over. They didn't click straight away. You know, they find it difficult because of the nature of the Premier League at that particular point. You know, so it's not easy. And like Sarah said, I think if you, you bring them on from the bench, you might get a little bit more pro- productivity out of them. But it is a difficult one. Mm. You um, stumbled into my next question like a Friday night drunk there, which was good of you, about um, Carvalho. There's a qu- comment here from Nigel Gorman of Sarah about do we bring Carvalho back? And similarly on the same theme, one from Ty Jakob about Brennan Johnson doing well at Lincoln and whether he should be recalled. I mean, it is... Would it be good to bring players back and make the squad even bigger? I, I would personally think that Brennan's better staying at Lincoln and banging in goals, I would say. But where where do you stand on that? Yeah, I think probably Brennan. I don't think he's doing really well at Lincoln by the sounds of it and, and playing really well. But would he walk into the Forest first team? I don't think he would at the minute. So I think from, from his development point of view, it's better for him to stay where he is keep getting game time, keep building up your confidence, keep getting goals um, and getting that experience. And hopefully in the future, perhaps next season, come back and, and fight for your place. But at the minute, I think it would be a struggle for him to get the kind of game time that he's getting at Lincoln at Forest. I don't, I don't think he would play as much. Mm. Um, Carvalho as well, a tricky one. Um, because if you're bringing players like that back, then you are making the squad bigger and you're giving yourself a a different kind of problem. Um, I think Forrest, he'd not really started, he's not showing the kind of form that we know he can show Carvalho. um, And I don't think that would particularly change if um, Chris Hutton brought him back in January. Um, I think that it would, it it seemed like it was better for him to kind of have a a fresh start and a clean break somewhere. And pick up more minutes and kind of get his confidence back a bit. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't think he would walk into the first team either at the minute. I don't think he'd be in the starting eleven. No, it's pointless bringing a player back. Like um, I'm giving Owen Bailey a lot of shout-outs here, but he did, does make a good point about Tyler Walker coming back last season to sit on his backside, mm-hmm. apart from the Leeds game and one or two other cameo appearances. Um, I wanted to... Just look forwards now then in terms of the, the games coming up. We were talking before we started recording about um, the games coming up. I think it's Barnsley, Bournemouth, Norwich, Watford, uh, Reading and Swansea. Not necessarily in that order, but those are the teams coming up. Uh, this will decide a lot, do you think, in the next few weeks about where Forest can go, Gary? 
I think that's why this international break is so important for Chris, that he can see what he's got coming up and, uh, you know, the team he wants to put out against all those sides that are expected to be there and thereabouts. And uh, to be fair, I think Forrest have always been a team that played well against the, the supposed better teams. You know, when Blackburn were having their, you know, decent run, they, Forrest went and did well there. Um, and last season we did well against decent teams, against West Brom, against Leeds. So I think in that respect, you can get lifted by, you know, the, the so-called better teams. Um, so there's nothing to fear there. We've seen Reading, they went, I think, nine points clear at one point, but they can't win a game at the moment. You know, Norwich, a slowish start, but you're now seeing already the teams up there, are the teams you expected to see there. And, uh, you know, you want to be part of that. The only, re- the, only t- uh, the only way to get as part of that is to beat the good teams and do well against the good teams. And that's what Chris will be looking to do. And and the message I'm sure he'll be putting in the, the players' minds, you don't fear anybody, you know, respect them. But, you know, we've got a good squad here. And I think he has got a good squad. And if he gets the right 11 out there on a regular basis, I think we can move up the table without a doubt. Mm. The Barnsley one's a good test, Sarah, isn't it? Because um, they've got this god-awful record against Barnsley recently. If they can actually... Uh, shake off the the curse there next game. I mean, that does set them up quite well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, that, that, I don't like that Barnsley one. Um, I don't like the games they've had against them recently, so I'm not looking forward to that one. But yeah, if they can get a win there, I think that it it just means that they've continued that momentum as well from the, the international break. It, it maybe came at a, a bad time in that sense, that when you've won, you just want to get out there again and keep playing. Um Hopefully they can do that against Barnsley and then it sets them up for that little run. And then you, you're heading into the, the Christmas period and the season that the way it is this year with the games coming so thick and fast all the time, Christmas is going to be crucial, I think, because that um, you, you know you can go on a good run and shoot up the table. Um, hopefully Forrest can do that. Mm, I'm going to open the floor up to any other business because Gary's always got some things he wants to talk about. He's mentioned two before we started. One of them was Nigel Clough, who obviously is well-remembered around these parts. He's back in football at Mansfield. I said I was a bit surprised he'd gone there. What do you make of his move and how pleased are you for Nigel, Gary, to be back in the game? Absolutely delighted for him. I'm staggered and flabbergasted that, you know, people keep overlooking him because, you know, you look at his record and what he did for clubs. You know, two semi-finals for Sheffield United, got them on the verge of the playoffs. He got Burton from non-league into the championship. You know, why are people, you know, who've not done as much as him getting jobs in front of him? And I'm not saying that again because he's a mate. It's knowing the knowledge of how he goes about his business. And he's delighted to be back in the game, absolutely loving it. And, you know, I spoke to him a couple of times and, uh, you know, he changed the whole eleven to have a look at the squad last night. And they went to Scunthorpe and won 2-1. Uh, so he was delighted about that and, uh, you know, went to Sunderland and got a great result there. Uh, got a great, you know, leader there, you know, ex-Forest player, James Perch is there. So that'll help, uh, you know, help him. He'll have somebody to, you know, maybe talk to. Um, but he just loves the game of football. And don't be surprised to see Mansfield just shoot up that table. And mm. the, the problem is at the moment, he, he makes a good point. You know, te- clubs don't want to get rid of managers because they have to pay them off. And because the pandemic's causing the problem, as you know, financially for football clubs, they're, they're loath to get you know sack managers unless they can afford to. So fewer jobs are coming up, and then you know the, the obsession for um, managers from abroad seems to be, you know, the thing, the the in thing at the moment. And if it works, it's great. But you know, it's not always working. And um, you know, N- Nigel's got a no- lot of knowledge of the game and. He unites football clubs, not just team. He unites the whole club. He's very inclusive of what he does. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, Mansfield are very, very, very pleased to have got him. The other thing you wanted to comment on was about uh, players, well, managers saying players are playing too many games. Obviously, you played a lot of games uh, in a season. In in your day, you think players should be able to, you know, get through 40-odd, 50-odd games a year these days, even now, do you? Without a doubt. I mean... I just couldn't wait to get out on the football pitch and play football. You know, I just loved every game. Yeah, I was shattered at the end of the season. You know, I, in, in all, uh, two seasons when we were successful in the European Cups, I played 136 games. You know, that was from start, you know, in, in build-up in pre-season 
and there was no such thing as a pre-season game with Brian Clough. It was you playing against Man United every game or Liverpool every game because they were the best at that time. And yeah, at the end of it, the uh, European Cup, the second one against um, Hamburg, I was absolutely shattered. I had to get the club doctor out to me because I've got blood blisters all over my body. But hey, what a privilege and an honour to be able to do that as a professional footballer. Um, and we played on those horrendous football pitches, you know, where you're knee deep in mud. But it was such a joy to go out there and, you know, have the opportunity to play as a professional footballer. And, you know, to go into training every day as well. And, you know, part of that is, is just stunning. And, you know, the pristine pitches they've got to play on now. Um, and they change things around for the uh, League Cup um, and the FA Cup. So players are getting rested in that situation. You know, I just don't get it. You know, it's, it's a fantastic profession. I get what Oli Solskjaer was saying, that maybe Manchester United game at 12.30 shouldn't have been 12.30. They could have scheduled it for maybe Sunday or Monday to help our teams in, you know, the Champions League. I understand that. But don't, you know, moan about it in, in, in that respect because we've all been through playing loads of games and people say, well, it's, it's this, that and the other. Now the game's changed and blah, blah, blah. You know, you, but the difference is, I've mentioned, those pitches we played on, some of them were just ridiculous and sapping to say the least. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I don't get it. it. As a player, if you tell a player he's tired, he'll feel tired. You know, tell him he's, he's the best player on the pitch and hopefully he'll go out and be the best player on the pitch. You know, don't tell a player he's tired because it gives them the excuse then to say, well, well we've played, you know, two, two games in five days and blah, blah, blah. It's a privilege and an honour to play football. And the fitness levels of players now are better. The methods are better for looking after players now. So, you know, the recovery that they get now is far better than we ever got. So get on with it. You know, it's a fabulous profession. Loads of young lads want to do it. And you're privileged to do it. You know, don't moan about it. Just get on with it. Anything you want to moan about, Sarah? Football <laughs> is an open floor before we begin. <laughs> uh... No, I'm, I'm okay. Thank, thanks, Sam. Yeah, I'm all right. Good, good. I don't have anything. Well, my wife's choice of Netflix shows. Apart from the plumber. Apart yeah. uh, he's here now. As soon as we finish, I'll <laughs> go and brief him and hope he fixes this leaky yeah. radiator, yes. I, I hope you've got plenty of money in your pocket because they're expensive plumbers now. I know, but bloody are. Well, <laughs> they are. You know, we charge a good price carpet fitters, but plumbers are <laughs> crikey. I believe they're very expensive now. Uh, there they are. Well, they perform a good service if they can heat my house. Oh. Right. Uh, I think that brings us to a conclusion. So thanks very much to everyone who watched along and asked questions of Gary and Sarah. And like I said at the start, just hammer it home, be boring. Give us a, a good rating if you feel so kind on iTunes and subscribe on YouTube. We'll be back next week with a guest who played for um, Megson, Calderwood and Davis, so people can have a guess who that is, but it should be good. Um, Gary, thanks very much for joining us. Hope you enjoy that. No, as always, it's an absolute delight. Excellent. Sarah, thank you for your company as ever. Thank you. And thanks very much to everyone who watches and listens as ever. We shall see you soon. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.